You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, If you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word, Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product and Auburn is one of their biggest sellers like that new peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by my esteemed colleagues, Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell. We are very excited that it is game week, of course, at Auburn. They play Mercer in the season opener, what is sure to be an exciting, entertaining, I don't know how you want to put it, but it certainly won't be a boring 2022 season. Um, is about to get kicked off on Saturday. And so um, we will be doing these shows every Tuesday. You're probably listening to this on Tuesday morning um, or later, but recording this one on Monday night uh, to go over what we learned on Monday. So we'll we'll get Brian Harson, we'll get his press conference every single Monday and then kind of give our basic takeaways. And that way from here, you know, obviously he'll have, you know, impressions of the previous game, that kind of thing. And then after this point, we'll transition to the next game. We'll have the round table later in the week. And then we'll have the pregame podcast on Saturdays. But uh, guys, it was a little bit different today. Um, number one, because you know it, it sort of carried fall camp news, you know, to a conclusion. There were some things that needed to be resolved. No, I'm talking about injuries, talking about quarterbacks, and then also we happened to surprise. Here's T.J. Finley. We got to talk to the starting quarterback 
Um, that was something that was unexpected today. But um, you know, we got clarity finally on the Nick Brom situation, in case you missed it. Um, as we've sort of been alluding to, you know, we, we've been this is something we've kind of known for the past. I mean, not complete confirmation, but you know, we just wanted to be respectful to the situation. But uh, Nick Brahms is done playing football. Um, obviously, guys dealt with a lot of injuries. Brian Harson confirmed that today. You know, he hasn't been practicing. I mean, we've obviously talked about it here. He hasn't been practicing for the last three weeks or so. But um, you know, he finally has, has, has called it a career because because of this. You know, one last issue that has bothered him, and just doesn't seem like it's going to be something feasible for him to come back for a for a sixth season. And so Jason, you know, and, and Nick talking, you know, Nick put out a statement this, this evening talking about, you know, how difficult it was for him to make this decision, but ultimately that this was, this was the best thing for his future. Um, you know, I was thinking about it. Nick Brahms has been here. This will be my fifth season covering Auburn football. Nick Brahms has been here the entire time. Um, and, and, you know, beyond being a football player, which I mean, what was it? You know, 33 starts at center, yes. um, mm-hmm. 18 or 19 straight starts. He, he, I remember, it was Caleb Kim when I first started was the center, and then you know Brahms kind of supplanted him there, and um, it's just been steady Eddie for the past few seasons. But more so than that, um, just one of the most well liked guys in the building over the past few years. Just an absolutely uh, you know phenomenal person, and um, you know we're we're happy for him if this is the decision that he thinks is best for his future. But obviously, you know it is an unfortunate situation. Obviously, he would have liked to have played this season, but we, we finally get some clarity here on this Monday on, on what was the biggest injury storyline for Auburn in the preseason. Yeah, no question. You know, I actually ran into to Nick last week. And, and so, you know, we kind of had a, a, an idea. So I, I had a story ready, I don't know, probably 10 days ago that, um, you know, that he was going to call it quits. I, I think from both sides, they wanted to make sure that was the right decision. Um, didn't have to rush it. Um, and, so I think he did a little rehab, did some things, and then just just wasn't going to work out when you look at him. And I think it, he he told me that was seven that was his seventh surgery. And you know, for people that remember back, you know, he didn't play in the bowl game um, after the Alabama game. He had surgery again, missed the bowl game, was held out of contact in the spring along with Austin Troxel. But um, you know, I think in the end it was just too much. That as soon as they put the pads back on and, and started getting contact again in the preseason you know, that same feeling crept back up again. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you got to think quality of life. Um, and, and, you know, for a guy that is engaged, um, his future's mapped out with, with Delta here down the road. And so I think for Nick Brahms, uh, it was a no brainer situation. And, and Mark, we've seen, we've seen these things so many times. Nick Brahms is a guy I told him, I said, I said, brother, here in about six months, you'll weigh about 230 pounds and your knees will feel a whole lot better. Cause he's a guy that's had to add weight and can keep bidding bigger, you know, once, once, once guys like that kind of get done with it, he'll, he'll trim down, uh, and, and be a guy, he'll feel like a new person. Won't he? Yeah. And he, I agree with Nathan. Uh, he is really a good guy, very smart kid. Um, he completed the Delta training program. He's got a guaranteed job. And I was a little surprised he decided to come back again because he's been around since like 2017, I think, something like that. And I remember he had a couple serious injuries in high school down in the Florida Panhandle. And uh, there was concern about, you know, if he'd get to play much at all in college, but he was able to do that. And it's credit to him because, like Jason mentioned, seven surgeries. Wow, that's just crazy. You got to really love the game to be willing to go through that to try to keep on playing football. Yeah, now, you know, it's something we've known for a few weeks, but 
they've been grooming Tate Johnson to be his replacement. And we're going to get into it today that we've got the official depth chart. That's kind of the, the main point of this podcast. But um, obviously, we wanted to get to Nick's situation, too. Uh, Tate is a guy that is a little bit slimmer, around 285, 290. Um, but I thought Brian Harson. Brian Harson was fun today, by the way. He was he was kind of snippy, and it was uh, it was pretty entertaining. Um, but you know, somebody asked, you know, is is that an okay weight? Is he big enough to play in the SEC? And Harson just kind of said, "Ah, uh, yeah, don't. He's strong enough. Don't worry. That's that's a pretty strong dude." And we've talked to defensive linemen throughout the preseason, Jason. And uh, yeah, I thought Marcus Harris put it the best way, saying that look, there are different ways to succeed on the offensive line. For a guy like Tate Johnson, this is something we've repeated on this podcast. But um, you know, maybe that slimmer, you know, build for him, he gets off the line of scrimmage a lot faster. Um, and so he he's a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience. He's only played in one career game at Auburn. But something Brian Harson mentioned today was, look, Nick's been around at practice. I mean, he, he he hasn't called it quits and and completely gone away from the team. And correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case this year. I think he'll have the option to do so, but it, it, it just doesn't seem like he's going to just up and up and leave the team. I think he'll still be around the program. Um, so you've sort of had that veteran sort of mentorship with him in the preseason. And, um, you know, it'll be a couple games before we see a real test for Tate Johnson. But certainly as you compare to the rest of this offensive line, he is now absolutely the focal point considering everybody else's, you know, returning starter, returning veteran, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I don't know that, that Nick Brahms is going to be hanging out in the position rooms and the meeting sure, rooms yeah. like he has, but I think he'll be out there practice some to help out and he'll be able to answer some questions, some of those things. And it is, it's when you're talking about 33 starts and 40 games played at the center position, um, it's a massive deal. There's no other way around it. Uh, Tate Johnson is a smart kid. He's a tough kid and he's worked extremely hard to come from a guy that, that people, you know, a lot of people said, Hey, why are they signing this guy? I mean, and, and we had people that asked us that. And I said, look, he, he worked and and earned an offer from his junior year to his senior year. He, he did those things. And now he's continued that progression. And yeah, I think the question is going to be not, can he handle it, you know, in week two or three, how does it look in week seven or eight or 10 or 12? That's the hard part. And that's the thing that, that, Nobody knows. He doesn't know, and, and nobody else knows how how that works. And you know, no, the center position is a position where you can play with strength and quickness and power. It's just not done as much anymore. Um, you know, it's been done in the past. I mean, heck, one of the best centers in Auburn history was Shannon Robeek, and Shannon Robeek was, if if you know, he was much you know a smaller guy than than a lot of the other guys. And I think about even with the Dallas Cowboys in their heyday, Mark Stepnoski was not a big guy played center Larry Allen and those big guys were next to him, but he was a guy that, that did it with quickness and power. And um, that's what Tate Johnson is going to have to do. But the biggest part of this is the unknown, the unknown of, you know, handling the the, the calls, handling all the things that you got to do from a mental standpoint, then snapping the ball and, and having that, you know, 300 pounder wear on you for, for a game and then do it again the next week and do it again the next week. That's something that, that, We'll we'll find out. Um, you know, there's some depth there, but it, it's it it is an unknown for sure as as one of the keys, you know, to an offensive line. The other injury update, something that we've touched on a couple times um, on the board over the past few days, was uh, Zykevis Walker, the redshirt. I know he's a true junior. He's a true junior. He's played enough games. Uh, defensive tackle, Mark, a guy who really had a few games where he popped his freshman year. He looked, you know, looked every bit the part of, 
I believe he was the number 79 recruit in the 2020 class, something like that. That was a massive recruiting win for them back over in, in 2020. Um, role diminished a little bit, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. It was a shoulder thing for him. I know he was in a sling for a few games, so that kind of cut him back. Um, but just, just a difficult situation for a guy like Zeke Walker because that depth was improving along the defensive line. That competition was was ramping up. That's something we'll talk about later. I'm sure when we get the depth chart. It's it's a it's a really deep D line rotation. Um, and he had to deal with his his knee getting scoped out, Brian Harson said. So he's out for at least the first game of the season. You'd, you'd probably be safe to assume at, at least a few more games beyond that. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, the guy has really got some potential. And, uh, you know, dealing with another injury this year, and uh, I thought the injury last year limited his playing time. And, uh, you know, people can come back from these scope jobs pretty quickly. I've seen guys come back in three weeks or so and, and play in football games. It just depends on particular surgery and, you know, what exactly they're fixing in there. But, uh, um, you know, fortunately for this year's team, uh, you know, if you're going to have to get somebody hurt, there was going to be a backup defensive line, interior defensive line in particular, would probably be the best place because they really do have some quality depth there, it looks like. And, you know, Jimmy Brumball's got 10 or 11 guys to choose from for those uh, inside positions. And uh, I'm curious to see how many of them actually play on Saturday night and really the whole first month of the season. Last year, they didn't play a lot of the defensive line backups, and it certainly cost them during the course of the season. So, uh I've asked Brumbaugh this question specifically. He said he wants to get at least eight to ten guys ready to go. So I'm going to be counting on Saturday night who actually plays in those positions. Well, you know, it wasn't a given even in these blowout games for them last year. I mean, they didn't they didn't even put some of these guys that they would put the second rotation in, um, they, but they wouldn't go beyond that. And so, like you said, it will be interesting to monitor not just I mean not just in the you know how many guys they play against SEC competition but I mean it's got to start this weekend against Mercer um so we'll dive right into it guys we'll dive into the depth chart here we'll go uh we'll go sort of position by position I'm sure many people have seen it but if you haven't uh we will we will run through it here uh this will give us an opportunity too to talk about the quarterbacks again we talked we talked to TJ today um great interview with him he he's he's always great got a little bit more perspective on maybe what Robbie Ashford's role looks like. Um, and so quarterback Jason is pretty simple. You got TJ Finley as a starter. Zach Calzada's not listed, of course, because you got the two deep there. Um, you know, we learned we learned a lot from TJ today. I mean, he really was was sort of transparent talking about I thought the the most important thing for him today was saying very candidly, I was not ready for last season. He said physically, mentally, preparation-wise. And and I remember before last year he talked about the Georgia State thing. You know, coming in, being benched, not being the starter then. He said that kind of deflated him. He said that last year too. So really, and, and you asked him this, Jason, you know, how different, we talked about this when he was named starting quarterback, but, you know, just how different of a feeling is it now to where you are the starting quarterback? Like from from game one, he he put it a good way. He said, you know, they're rolling out the carpet for you. They, you know, they want you to do mm-hmm. this thing. As opposed to last season where he was very truthful and saying, look, I'm a young guy. I'm, you know, I'm still figuring things out and it was you know it was emotional for him last year and now he gets the opportunity to start as the team leader to start as the offensive leader there at the quarterback position um and see where see where things go from there i think he's taking ownership 
first and foremost uh, of his offense. Um, last year he ran Bo Nix's offense, and and I think you you hear him talk about it. But I think it was interesting. That's why I mentioned that in the story today. I thought that was the most interesting part of the day was him saying, look, I I, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. Sounds eerily similar to, to what Malik Willis said, you know, when he was preparing for the draft, said the same things about his time at Auburn, said, look, I didn't prepare to be that guy. And um, I think sometimes that that is a learning lesson. You know, T.J. Finley sure sounds like he's learned it. He, he showed that in preseason camp by being the number one guy. And, you know, the thing I just the, – the take I can't get a feel for because I still keep, you know, getting some things from people going, look, they're going to play Robbie Ashford. You know, they're going to play him and, and leave him a role. And, you know, Brian Harson at times says, no, it's TJ's offense. And then at other times it's like, well, it sure sounds like they're going to play somebody else. And so um, I'm still expecting two quarterbacks. I still think we'll see Robbie Ashford. But I think it's TJ Finley's job to – you know, we said this from a while, Zach Calzada's job to lose maybe when the camp started. DJ Finley's got the job right now. And, and you know, they're leaning on him to go out and play well. Um, and, and for Auburn, you know, what you don't want is to, to start having to, to kind of try to fill a, fill a spot and see the best thing for Auburn right now is TJ Finley goes out and plays well. Um, and he sure seems like his mindset is there. Um, but everybody else has to do their job. They got to be able to run the football and they got to make some plays in the passing game. All those things will be a reflection of TJ Finley. But um, I think from a mental standpoint, uh, he sure seems uh, like a guy that's locked in. Yeah, Mark, you know, like Jason said, right now, quote, the focus, Brian Harson said, is on TJ Finley to get the first team reps, to be able to get control of that offense, to be able to get it, you know, his legs under him and, and get ready to roll. But then when I asked him about Robbie Ashford, you can sort of you know look look at the language, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I'm interested to see what happens in the you know once we get the game plan for both of them, how they execute within the game plan this week." Um, and then he later on said, "You know, both those guys, I'm I'm excited to see how they perform this week." So again, that's when it that's when it sort of you know floats back the other way, and and like Jason said, it's something we've known for a while. Um, Robbie Ashford's probably going to get a shot in this game, and it's not just going to be. In mop-up duty, they they really want to see what he can do out there. But but TJ Finley has obviously won the starting job. But I just you know Ashford gives you a little bit more of a of a different ability with what he can do on offense. And I think they're they're not ready to say goodbye to the possibility of of that spark. They they want to see, especially because you've got a nice couple games here to to settle things in. They want to see what that can look like while they still have an opportunity to do so. Yeah, there's no history of Robbie Ashford playing quarterback. In a college game, he was at Oregon for two seasons and didn't play. Played some baseball, but uh, no football. And uh, it's been a while since he took a snap in a real game. So it'll be interesting to see if it gets to happen on Saturday night. He's certainly a dynamic athlete. Um, he can throw the deep ball. He can make some pretty passes, but he needs to get more consistent throwing it. There's no doubt he's good with his legs and can run the ball because he's such a good athlete. He's got a good size, too. So, uh you know, I won't be the least bit surprised to see him play uh, versus the Mercer Bears. All right, so the, the f- a few more notables here on offense. We won't stop on the running backs because it's Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. Um, although Demario Alston got a lot of first-team reps uh, Saturday because they're resting those two guys, and he's a good-looking ball carrier, and he's one of those guys we've seen it in years past when they play these cupcake games. Well, 
they, they play lesser. What opponents. should what but should be? Yeah, what mm-hmm. should be? We've seen this before, where guys who in that number three spot they can go for hundred plus yards if they if they you know kind of get their feet under them and, and get things rolling. Um, tight end, not surprising either. Obviously, John Samuel Schenker and uh, Luke Deal behind him. We're all smart enough at this point. Hopefully, y'all know Tyler Fromm's getting in there too. It's it's both of them are kind of kind of interchangeable within that offense. All those guys got first team work. Um, but then you get into the receiver rotation. Uh, Mr. Camden Brown, the true freshman, is right behind Shed Jackson at the X spot. Not surprising there. Um, Jason, something we were talking about before we got rolling. Uh, Chick Dawson, Tarvarish Dawson, we saw him rotate with Javarius Johnson at that slot position. Both of them get first team work, but there is no uh, shared starter designation right now on the depth chart. It looks like Tarvarish Dawson has, quote, beat him out. Now, that doesn't. That doesn't matter in a position like receiver as much as it matters at something like quarterback. I would expect us to to still see both of the, both of them on the field, but I guess that's where we'll stop first because um, we just kept hearing over and over again about how how good of a camp Chick Dawson had, and apparently enough to be named the starter at slot when he's played in two college games and has no stats versus a guy like Javarius Johnson who's had previous production and is going into his fourth year with the program. Yeah, and and was was Auburn's you know, best big play receiver last year. Um, he's had some injuries, had some issues, and obviously wasn't there in the spring. And I wonder how much that's been a setback for him, maybe in terms of, of earning a starting role a little bit. Um, but but Javarius has been a playmaker for this offense. We've heard, you know, Tavares Dawson's name mentioned as a guy that they feel like has those qualities. Now it's, it, it's time to show it in a game, um, you know, for this team. But, you know, it, it's, it, you know, a really interesting group. You know, there's there's the two deep at three different positions with, with Shedrick Jackson and Malcolm Johnson, Tavares Dawson. You know, then you know, Coy Moore, Kendra Brown, uh, Javarius Johnson. I fully expect to see early on, um, maybe three or four more of those guys. Um, we're going to see you know uh, some more rotation from that wide receiver group. I think we'll see Xavier Capers at some point. We'll see Landon King at some point. Um, you know, so there's going to be some other guys that get in the mix. Uh, but, you know, maybe even Amari Kelly, the true freshman from Hewitt Trustwell. I think we're going to see some other guys involved at wide receiver. I think there's going to be a rotation, and I think much, you know, much like uh, you know some of these other positions, I, I think it's going to be okay. Here's our first group, but we're going to give some guys an opportunity to see who can you know make a play or two and and maybe earn more playing time. And you know that's what it feels like for Mike Hilliard at this point. Mark, it's exactly. You know, and this is the this is the bonus, by the way, of um, you know, the reporter perspective here. If I can, if I can do it for a second, this is the bonus of having great access in the preseason. Um, none of this stuff is surprising to us. We've been out at practice. We've we've had a good feel for it, and this is pretty much the depth chart we all expected. And also, the coaches have been very transparent about how they want this roster to look and how this, they want these lineups to look. Mark, when we were listening to, to Tiger Talk last week. This is exactly what Brian Harson said. You know, he said, you know, six guys in, in the main rotation. And then he he sort of hinted, you've got a couple other guys who will have opportunities. To me, obviously, and, and to y'all as well, that screams Sabian Capers and, and Landon King. You know, we got to get them in there somehow. Um, moving on now to the offensive line. Killian Zaire is a starting left tackle. No surprise there. Brandon Coffey is the backup. Uh, Brandon Council is your starting left guard. Behind him is Jeremiah Wright and Jaleel Irvin. We already talked about Tate Johnson, Jaleel Irvin, and Avery Jernigan are behind him. Um, and then right guard, Mark, is the other one that <laughs> this was brought up to Brian Harson today. This is interesting because it's co-starters between Keandre Jones and Cam Stutz. 
Cam Stutz, who we saw mostly playing left guard. Now he did he did play some right guard in the fall. Um, but Keandre Jones, obviously, guys, he, he started 19 straight games along this this offensive line. They're listed at co-starters. And when when it was brought up to Harson today, he pauses, looks at the depth chart in front of him, kind of like squints for a second, and was like, "Huh, interesting." And then he joked with the with the Auburn media representative, the SID, and said. Did you did you put this on here? Uh, and said he was just messing around, but uh, I, interesting to figure out what they, what exactly that means because I think we've all pretty much had you know Keandre Jones locked in at, at right guard, and we've been expecting. Look, even on Saturday, it was Brandon Council and Cam Stutz rotating at left guard. They were still rotating with the ones on Saturday, um, so we'll see we'll we'll see how this plays out. But Harson, you know, his his reaction was a little interesting. We'll have to see what that looks like on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, it's going. You know, Cam Stutz has been around a long time, and he's not played a whole lot. A little bit on special teams, and Keandre Jones has played a lot. He's a junior, and uh, he's one of the more experienced guys on the team in terms of getting in games and actually starting. And you know, I think he's probably an NFL prospect. So uh, you know, he missed some practice time early. Uh, with an injury in preseason, and maybe that's setting back a little bit. But I just keep hearing good things about Stutz, how he's playing. And sometimes offensive linemen, the light comes on very late in their college careers, and this could be another example of that. And, you know, one thing that's a real positive is that uh, these guys can flip and play either side at guard. And I think some of these guys at guard can move out to tackle if they need to. And uh, – I was told that all the guards have taken snaps at center too. So can't have too many centers as Jason and I know covering a season when they got about six deep on centers because of the injuries. Uh, so, you know, I'm curious to see how the offensive line looks. I don't know that it'll be definitive what we see on Saturday night because Mercer's probably not going to have the quality defensive lineman Auburn will see later on in the season. But uh, these guys, Except for Tate Johnson, they've got a load of college experience. The guys who I think will be the starters, and they need to play like that. And uh, you know that makes everything better when the offensive line's playing well. No surprise at right tackle, uh, Austin Troxel gets the nod there. Um, Austin Troxel, who quietly had one of the best preseasons out of anybody on the entire roster, um, you know, Jason had reported in his insider a couple weeks ago about how good of a scrimmage he had. And then I forget who we were talking to a defensive lineman, but said, yeah, he was the MVP of the, of the entire scrimmage. Um, And so really good, really good preseason for him. Alec Jackson is his backup there. Then you look on defense, still no surprises. Um, You got a couple of different designations now for the uh, edge rusher positions. You got the rush end and the stud end. Um, so rush end is, is is starters. Derek Hall is backup would be Dylan Brooks on the stud. You've got Eku Leota as the starter, backed up by Marcus Braggs. Uh, the actual defensive line, also no surprises, Colby Wooden. He is backed up by Morris Joseph. The Memphis transfer, also quietly, pretty good preseason. Jason Jones, he was the starter at nose all the way back in the spring, the Oregon transfer. Uh, expect to see a lot of Marquise Burks there as well. They'll probably do a fair amount of rotating. And then Marcus Harris, at defensive tackle, backed up by Jeffrey Embaugh. Linebacker does not appear to be that big of a surprise either. You've got Owen Papo and Cam Riley as the two starters. That was something we heard um, like a week ago. Jason was like, yeah, Cam Riley, you know, Cam Riley will be the starter. Um, yeah, but, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see just because of, you know, Wesley Steiner kind of falls more in that 
middle linebacker sort of role. And then Cam Riley's your rangy guy who can play a little bit more um, in space as you go toward the, toward the line of scrimmage. But um, you know, when all three of those guys are on the field together, which is a possibility, but also when Wes Steiner and Cam Riley are on the field together, um, this is something we've mentioned throughout the preseason, interested to see how they complement each other because this has sort of been the, the linebacker tandem of the past couple of seasons saying, when are they going to get their, you know, when are they going to get their opportunity kind of waiting in the wings behind some really good linebackers Auburn's had. And now they finally get their rotation and, um, you know, they finally get their opportunity in the rotation, excuse me. And that's, that's a really important position group because of throughout the preseason, the D line emerged as being very, very strong secondary answered a lot of questions in a good way. So really as it, as it comes down to game week here, I still think linebacker is the spot where you're saying, look, if you can get good production, if Wes Steiner and Camarelli come out and they start hitting people and they play well against Penn state, your defense becomes pretty complete at that point, I think. Yeah, one of the more interesting things for me is is you know, kind of going back to that defensive line, that designation. You're, you're right. The last year, it was edge and edge, but they played those guys together a good bit. Now they're they're kind of designating two separate positions. And for people that look at the Auburn depth chart, what you won't see other than maybe on the goal line or short yardage, you won't see all five of those defensive line guys on the field at the same time. Um, Jason Jones, Marquise Burks, those guys. Um, Heavy against Arkansas, heavy against Georgia, you know, Alabama a little bit, LSU some. Um, but, you know, for them, it's it's going to be kind of situational a little bit more for those inside guys. Uh, you'll see Colby Wood and Marcus Harris, Derek Hall, um, probably Eku Leota on the field a lot. The, the key to this, you know, one of the keys of this team is, is you know, can Dylan Brooks and you mentioned Bragg, can, can those guys produce – enough that they can really take those guys off the field and give them a break. Um, Cause you can't have a massive drop off and what Derek Hall and, and Leota are really good. Um, there's going to be a drop off. There's no question about it. It just can't be the gaping hole because it, when it is, then coaches go, we can't take them off the field. And that's what Auburn has to be able to avoid. They can't play those guys, you know, 65, 70 defensive snaps a game like they did last year. And so um, there is more depth. Um, you think about a guy like Jeffrey Emba, though. I mean, you know, Jeffrey Emba's a guy that's a a backup that you know did miss the spring with a shoulder injury. Injury is a junior college player from France. that's only been playing football a few years. The, the, that's going to be there's going to be some rust and and a lot of raw involved for a really athletic big man. Um, just how quickly can he get up to speed and and you know do the things you need to do to be able to, to succeed in the Southeastern Conference? That means playing those guys early and often. Uh, what I hope to see is second or third possession. That entire second group is on the field for Auburn. That's what they need to do is go ahead and throw them in the fire, um, see what happens. Um, and, you know, used to hear, you know, coaches, coaches back and, and Rodney Garner was one of them going to go, yeah, throw them in the grease. Got to throw them in the grease and see what happens. Uh, this is a grease game for Jeff Rimba, even for Jason Jones, but for Dylan Brooks, um, those guys that haven't played, this is the time to go out there and, and see what happens. Yeah, Rodney Garner, who still, by the way, haunts some of these guys in the best possible way. We, we even we even got a name drop on Rodney Garner. This I, I think it was Colby uh, who talked it about him, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, talk about getting hardened up as a as a freshman. Colby wouldn't say that happened real quick because of a guy because of like what you were just talking about you know, the the methodology there of a guy like Rodney Garner. So um, the secondary is is laid out. Um, 
you know, interestingly, they don't they don't necessarily. And I'm looking here at the depth chart from last season. They did not um, have that nickel position listed either. But because right now, if you look at it, you get the two corners. Nehemiah Pritchett and Jalen Simpson are obviously your starters behind Nehemiah. Uh, no surprise, you get Keontae Scott. Uh, J.D. Rim is a guy that we saw on that practice Saturday. He he played, I think, played a lot more nickel, I think, in the spring. And then now you start to see him sort of sort of flex outside. I think you'll you'll also see he's not listed here. DJ James is listed behind Jalen Simpson, but you'll also see Austin Osbury just occasionally back there, probably whenever JD Rim is able to get in the game. And then by all indications, Mark, uh Caden Bridges appears to have won that other starting safety spot across from Zion Puckett, but just the way it's the way it's formatted here, you you give a starting nod to to Donovan Kaufman, who who can play safety and, and has has done so, it seems like he's maybe more a little bit of the starting nickel um, when you're looking at it here. But that was a big. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see Keontae uh, Scott be nickel. starting nickel. Yeah, I've got that from a very good source. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, I was a little bit surprised they didn't uh, put a nickel on the depth chart because, dang, they played nickel. Uh, more than did anything at all last year. If you go back and look at the percentage of plays, but they got lots of guys that can play nickel. Zion Puckett can certainly play there. Donovan Kaufman can play there. JD Rim can play there. And uh, you know, Zach Etheridge told me he wants everybody in the secondary to know how to play every position. Now, some guys are certainly better suited for other spots than others, but there's no downside in knowing what everybody else is doing back there. And uh, Zach was a smart player at Auburn, and he knew all the positions then, and he believes in his current guys doing that. And uh, there's no downside to that. Yeah, I think I think it's much like we're talking about on the defensive line too. I, I think the the way the secondary is situated maybe depended on what type of team you're playing. I think against Mercer, you could see Donovan Kaufman at safety, and see uh, you know Dante Scott at, at at nickel because they're going to spread the field on you. They're not going to try to line up and power you. They know that's not going to be able – they're going to do that. they got some big play receivers, so they're going to spread you out a little bit more. you got a little bit more coverage on the field with, with a guy like Donovan Kaufman at safety. And, you know, against a Mississippi State, I think you'll see that. Um, you know, against, uh, you know, even in Alabama, some teams that, that they want to throw it and spread you out a little bit more. Um, you'll probably go more coverage-wise. And in the power teams, you got – you know, you start thinking about the size potentially at safety with, you know, Puckett at 227. Um, you know, you, you look at even Caden Bridges, but Donovan Kaufman's a guy that can tackle and come up physical. So they've got some options because of, you know, like a Keontae Scott that can do some different things and Donovan Kaufman as well. That versatility could be big. Yeah, and Scott continues to, you know, playing off Mark's point there, continues to be a guy that just rapid ascension. Um just strictly in terms of days on campus because you know day by day if you're looking at you know what he's done um in this defense he only arrived three or four days before preseason camp started and you know absolutely accelerated up the depth chart and and something zach etheridge mentioned like like mark said was you know how much he started to gel with his teammates almost instantly and you know lest we forget the number one cornerback prospect on the, on the juco level um and obviously, like you mentioned, Jason Jeffrey Embaugh, the number one overall JUCO player, seems like he has a pretty good opportunity to make an impact here. And then they also got the number one JUCO safety in, in Marquise Gilbert. We'll see how he contributes 
Um, of course, like we mentioned, you know, Bridges might be might be above him in that safety rotation. Craig McDonald as well is another talking about big guys at that safety position. Uh, Craig McDonald looks more like an outside linebacker than a than a safety. So lots of different things they can do there. Last is the special teams. We'll just run through it here. Anders Carlson obviously is ready to go. Uh, Brian Harson said today that you know if if he wants to do kickoffs, you know, he's asking you know if he, if he was going to handle kickoff duties. Um, Harson said, "Look, man, that's up to him. Like it's." <laughs> That's that's where you get to the point. And you've got a sixty-year senior, and you're and you're sort of saying, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's your call. Um, Oscar Chapman is uh, is it punter? I don't know if you guys noticed this. Did you guys notice that Alex McPherson is the backup punter? Right. Um, not a lot of uh, not a lot of guys with his with his talent level, um, and we've we've started to see that already watching him on on Saturday. But you know, they've got Marshall Myers on the on yeah. the roster but yeah marshall's marshall's really more of a kicker uh they list yeah. him as a punter but he's more of a true kicker as well mcpherson's a guy that did some punting in high school um but it's it's you know you're not in as good a position behind oscar chapman in the punting game as you were a year ago and and that's uh you know obviously they need to keep him healthy because he's a weapon and one of the best punters in the country um but it would obviously be a huge difference uh if he's not on the field for sure yeah, I think the kickers are good because they also have Evan McGuire. And uh, but when he got a chance to kick last year, he was he was very good. And so, uh, yeah, they got three quality kickers in my opinion. Yeah, the only one missing there is obviously Ben Patton is the only preseason transfer. Uh, apparently, found a home at Michigan State as a grad transfer. I, I didn't necessarily look up what their uh, their kicking needs are, but might see him on the field. Yeah, I think they they brought him in for a for a depth piece, and it's yeah. you know for him it's fairly closer to home. I think so. For yeah. him, it's an opportunity to to, to kind of you know, hey join a pretty good program there, at Michigan State too. Yeah, yeah, that's that yeah talking about something on the rise for sure. Um, and then the return the return men, what we expected as well. You've got Javarius Johnson. He ended last season as your punt return guy. Um, was actually really good. Yeah, he was. And he only had a like he didn't meet any. I think we've talked about this before. He didn't meet any of the thresholds because he didn't return enough punts. But his averages were really good. And then Keontae Scott. So you got two uh, two number sixes there at punt return. And then the top kick return duo is uh, Jarquez Hunter and Nehemiah Pritchett. No surprises with those guys either, uh, because Pritchett also it's like Pritchett on kick returns was also really really good. Um, might be the fastest guy on the entire roster. Um, so give him an opportunity to to get ahead of steam and. And get rolling there, and so um, yeah, that's it. I mean, we've 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 got the official depth chart now, and uh, you know, it it hasn't been the, it's not the most surprising that it's been in the past few years, but certainly you know, um, a few tidbits here and there that we that we wanted to break down, and so uh, you know, you guys, I guess as we look forward to the rest of the week, Mark, you know, it's 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 now at the point where we're starting to look ahead and check out what Mercer did um, in their most recent game, and. Something Brian Harson talked about today. He's like, you know, we can't. This is you know, he, he listed off the yardage, whatever they put up. Obviously, you know, they put up sixty three points. And when we walked into the building today, Mark, the the game was on, and they had sixty three with ten minutes left in the game. So that was yeah. You know, they they called the dogs off. I think it was yeah. forty two to ten or something like that at halftime. And they had a lot of big plays. Um, yeah. I think four touchdown passes of twenty nine yards or longer. Ninety three yard kickoff return, a couple long runs, and. Uh, so, uh, you know, Mercer's got 15 starters back, eight on offense, seven on defense, plus some transfers too. And, you know, I was looking at 
the guys who made those big plays, they'd been at other programs that had a lot of success, like Georgia, Coastal Carolina, James Madison, places like that. So, uh, you know, the coach over there, Chronic, um, said a couple of weeks ago that he had a really good feeling about his team. And, uh, you know, that was a pretty impressive opener, even though the competition wasn't great. Yeah, I believe they were the number three scoring offense in their conference um, from last season and just overall in, on the FCS level, one of the better offenses. So I think you're looking at uh, an early test, you know, an early challenge. Obviously, Auburn's expected to win by a lot for Auburn's defense in this first game. And then the next week, San Jose State, their defensive front is pretty is pretty nice in the Mountain West. You kind of flip there and, and give the challenge a little bit more to Auburn's offense. But um, either way, we will get more into that over the course of the week at auburnundercover.com. Be sure to go check us out. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the show today. We're going to have a lot more stuff throughout the rest of the week. Of course, we're very excited to be back for game week. Um, we will be back on this feed for you guys Thursday morning. That is when we will have the roundtable. The entire crew of uh, of our team reporters will get together and preview the game and uh, and give our predictions for the first game of the season inside Jordan-Hare Stadium where uh, it'll be under the lights. They'll be turning that light show back on like they like they like to do. And um, yeah, the Brian Harson second year Brian Harson's era at Auburn will get kicked off. So thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of the podcast. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. If you guys enjoyed it, five-star review. That's the number one thing that helps us out. We will talk to you guys later. Everybody have a great rest of the week.